The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This is an iFanboy special edition, Teen Titans, The Judas Contract. Special Edition iFanboy Show, Teen Titans, The Judas Contract. I'm Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with the Animated Brain Trust, Paul Montgomery. Mayhem. And Ryan Haupt. Hello. That's an old one. We're here to talk about, Mayhem, we're here to talk about <laughs> the, we were discussing this before, the 30th release, but the 28th full-length film in the DC Universe animated original series, Teen Titans, The Judas Contract. And Paul, we didn't even consider the Batman 66 release. That's right. That would make it the 30th. First release in the 29th, I don't know, whatever. There's been a lot of them. We've been doing this for a while. <laughs> 2007. I mean, and if you think, like, how many come out per year, and it's not that many, like... <laughs> two, two or three. three, yeah. We've been doing this for a while. So we'll be talking about the Judas Contract. There'll be spoilers if you haven't seen it, although uh, if you're at all familiar with the story, you won't be spoiled all that much. So what's interesting about this film, before we get going, is that, and people, long-time listeners will, will know this, uh, when they originally announced this line, back in 2006, I believe, was the original announcement. 2007. Superman uh, Doomsday came out September of 2007. Right, which means so, they, they announced it. They talk, I, went, I went to a panel on it at WonderCon in 2007, so that would have been early in the year. Back, that was back when WonderCon yeah. was in the... So, anyway, the point is, when they originally announced was, the line, <laughs> it included Superman Doomsday, Just Like the New Frontier, and the third film was going to be Teen Titans of Judas Contract. And uh, it never <laughs> happened because Justice League New Frontier tanked and they got scared about doing quote-unquote fringe characters. So they went mm. right back to a Batman film. They did One Woman, Green Lantern, back to Superman, Batman, and then on and on and on. So it's interesting to think about what that film would have been had it been one of the originals because it wouldn't have been this one. Yeah. In the intervening years, you had that Teen Titans uh, Go cartoon or whatever it was called that was very popular. And this, this obviously borrows a lot from that. And I found myself watching this wondering... What would have been? I would love to read this. I would love to read the script for that. Just yes, to know what how different it would have been because, or at least a treatment or something or whatever form right. it was in. And this is based on the classic Wolfman and Perez era, all new Teen Titans. The, that the, the Judas Contract being the most famous story of them all. And it's funny. Mm-hmm. I wonder if young listeners or young comic readers know that there was a time in the '80s when Teen Titans was the second most popular book in all of Comic Land. It jockeyed with Uncanny uh, X-Men. Um, and I almost, right. said, I almost said Uncanny Avengers, Uncanny Humans. That, the third choice was X-Men, which is sad. 
It, almost, it was jockeying with Uncanny X-Men to be the most popular book in comics. It, it changed a lot of things. This realistic take on teen superheroes in the 80s was, was a market changer. And, uh, and not, not, for its, not for its whole run. No. But this was like the peak of that. And I was, I was reading up on some of this earlier just, to, just as a refresher on some of the characters that were involved. Because this is, a, this is they take some liberties here yeah. in terms of like roster and yeah, I mean, uh, but um, there are a lot of parallels and a lot of things that felt like, uh, oh, this is very reactionary to Uncanny X-Men at the time. Like Terra was introduced right around the time that Kitty Pride was introduced. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the... It's the way that they work, DC and Marvel, even to this day, you know, mm-hmm. is, is they've got something popular. We're going to find a version of that. I mean, that's how superhero comics have been since going back to the 60s when the Justice League was popular. So they, the, the Marvels started to make a super team of, of their own. And then you can, even, you can even flip it. This has Deathstroke the Terminator in it. And, you know, Marvel's got Deadpool. Um, and I had, to, I had to chuckle a bit at the size of Deathstroke's feet. In this, uh, particularly in a in a in an action sequence that I think we're going to talk about, he's got tiny little feet <laughs> <laughs> when they're not cropped off by the bottom of the frame, uh, which is which is interesting. So, but, you, neither of you have read the original story. I I think I read like the, the first issue of it. I never I never ended up finishing it, but I am familiar with the story. And I started reading Teen Titans when Jeff Johns took over in the early 2000s. I did Sorry. read that as well. Sorry, Connor. <laughs> I know I'm like hurting you with these words right now. Normally, I would, I would, yes, I am hurt. However, <laughs> I know it well enough to know like where's where's Jericho. They know? collect like... these books, guys. In fact, they did the whole Wolfman Perez run in a series of Omnibu. Yes. You know when my birthday is. That's true. There are many reasons why this was the most one of the most famous stories. Not just the terror story, not just the big the big reveal that she was a traitor, but also this was the story in which Nightwing became Nightwing. He changed. He you know he gave up being Robin. Not in this costume. No, but there's a lot. He's in a much better costume. Let's well, sweet sweet lapels. Let's talk about the movie because okay, I can go on on about the. Uh, this, this, we, well, I mean, we could start with this prologue. That's really kind of fun. Which is, it's really interesting because it was like, wait, this is the cast, and hold I on, and then on, I realized. Hold on. I took notes during this movie, and okay. I left them in the couch in my apartment. <laughs> I was like, where are my notes? Because I have notes. All right, Paul, let's just talk about the Nightwing's old lapels while Connor no, gets no, no. his notes. Are you going back to your apartment? Is no, that what's happening is, right now? Is, is, is miles away from where I am right now. So I'm, I'm, okay, I'm going, don't, don't, I'm going don't give out your address. Don't dox yourself so on the, the podcast. So the prologue. Yes, the prologue. Continue. The, so there's this prologue, and it features the earliest iteration of the Teen Titans, and actually the, them meeting uh, Starfire for the first time. Right, and a sweet dune buggy. So we've got Dick Grayson as Robin. We've got Speedy, Bumblebee, Bumblebee. Bumblebee is that her name? Okay, yeah, Bumblebee, right, Bumblebee and Changeling and Kid uh, Flash. And Kid Flash, yeah. Changeling and Beast Boy are the same person. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And he's first starting up his uh, his Twitter account. One of those uh, Law and Order SVU versions. It's like Tweetster or something. Tweetster. It's not exactly Twitter, but yeah, it's that. And uh, and so they're they're driving around. The the thing I thought here that was kind of interesting. I thought it was cool to do a time jump in here. Yeah. But also, I thought it was a bit of a wasted opportunity. You could have done something stylistically here to separate it, mm-hmm. just historically, which is something that they did a little bit of in even in the New Frontier feature and i'm sure they've done it in some of these other ones but it's it's a little bit jarring you get the title card and then the the time jump it would have been interesting to do the prologue in like a little bit of more of a throwback kind of style yeah although i I have to say i did love the cold open it was great 
I would totally watch that show. And I, I get it. That's basically it. it was like watching Young Justice. It is like Young Justice because it's even like like Speedy. The the characterization there is yeah very similar much team and similar dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about this, the costume because Ryan brought it up. I actually really liked this version of the original Robin suit they do here. They did like a weird. He had like a almost a tunic situation going on. A hybrid of Damien and and Dick's original suit. So he had the yellow tape. Yes. He was wearing Damien's tunic. He had the gloves and the, it looked. Like you smoosh together the original Robin suit and the Damien suit, and I, it makes sense in that context. So then, and then it becomes interesting that Damien's wearing sort of a version of Dick's suit, and it's much better than whatever garbage they've been putting out in the New Fifty Two when they do flashbacks to the original Robin. I just really liked the look of it. If you're going to have to update it, this was an interesting way to do it. If you're going to do a Robin and it can't be Tim, and you're just going to gloss <laughs> over his, yeah, I know, right? Now, even did, even did, Jason gets more love than Tim these days. But. Did Dick all? Did Dick use the Escrima sticks before he became Nightwing? I always thought that was something he picked up as Nightwing. Not really. Like, Not in the comics. Yeah, that's what I thought. He was just in hand to hand fighting. Tim brought in the weaponry mostly. Dick mostly just punched people and kicked them, and then also dazzled them with his charm and beauty. This was fun. So they, we 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 you know they and they flutes. find Starfire who's been attacked by her. You know she's on the run from her family. I love that her name and her planet are both foods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coriander and tamarind. You can oh. make a delightful marinade. She's sort of the Wonder Woman character in the way they portray her here. Mm-hmm. Very similar to the way that the Justice League comes across Wonder Woman in the, in the Tim cartoons. Yeah, she's a, she's a little bit fish out of water, like, you know, isn't entirely assimilated into, you know, like human cultures. Yeah, the, the badass warrior. She's taller than everybody. Mm-hmm. She can destroy you, but she's also like the nicest person in the room. Like, it's... Exactly. It's a very wonderful. I don't. I don't think I ever truly understood how close she is to Wonder Woman until watching this movie, which is interesting. I didn't think of it that way, but you're absolutely right. This is how they would portray Wonder Woman elsewhere, and in her absence, yeah, she definitely fills that role, and she's definitely the compassion of the team, and really cool to see her as as the leader. And it was cool to see, um, ju- you know, jumping ahead a little bit, just to see the day to day like interactions of the titans like how you know what they're doing you know in their in their off hours that's always been the appeal of the the titans right yeah absolutely they aren't just superheroes they're teens living together so you get all the teen drama that you that you would get in you know in the beverly hills 90210 or whatever which is true you put a bunch of teenagers who are all super it's like the olympic village in t-form right you bunch of people (laughs) who are all very attractive and fit and young and you get a lot of relationships and a lot of hormones and things plus beast boy i really like this movie I think it was fun. I had a great time watching it. I, I know I love the Teen Titans, and I know I'm a mark for the Teen Titans, but I thought they did it well, and it's even paining me to say that a movie that involved Damien I, I enjoyed, but I actually even didn't even hate Damien in it. I think he was in front and center, and I think he was used, like, he, like in a team setting, it actually works. You know, like Batman, in his interactions with Damien that we've seen in these animated movies, because um, this is like his fifth or sixth appearance or something like that it's it's been a while but we don't get like a voice as the viewer who's irritated with damien like batman's very patient with him and so to have other characters that are around him and be like and to like this you know this kid's a snob and you know just just like when dick is talking to him that relationship comes across really well like like the morrison stuff that we had when dick was batman for a while right so that dynamic i think 
really shines through. And to have him with other kids, you know, his age or older, I think is is. And they don't put up with his bullshit either. Raven's like, you're 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 an idiot. Yeah, and I love Raven in this and the previous one, which was sort of her kind of starring role. Yeah, the the stuff with uh, Trigon, and um, I just I I think she's a a nice balance to someone like like Damien or or to Beast Boy in particular. They have a nice. This is a nice roster. It's fun because, you know, Damon likes to think that he's like a dark, brooding badass, but then it's like there's a girl with a demon in her forehead sitting next <laughs> to Damon. Like, you're not that hardcore. Yeah, Absolutely. she can summon a beast. So the, the lineup post the time jump after the cold open. Team's led by Starfire. Now she's growing up. It's five years later. Got Beast Boy, who's now Changeling or whatever. They actually don't, do they ever call him by his code name in the movie? No, they always just call him Gar. Uh, you've got Blue right. Beetle. you got Jaime Reyes. You have Raven and you have Damien. Am I missing anyone? And then um, Dick shows up to sort of mentor the team. Tara, you said and Tara, Tara is oh, and the Tara, newest. Obviously, Tara is there as well. She's the newest member of the team. So who's missing from the story, from the from the, from the source Cyborg. material? Cyborg. Was Jericho still a, around at that point? Jericho and Cyborg are the two main that are missing from the story. And uh, I don't remember if Wonder Girl was... Yeah, I was going to say, had Donna showed up yet? Yeah, well, I mean, Donna's an original member. What... New Teen Titans, Wonder Girl. I think she was there. There are a ton of New Teen Titans characters. Yeah. I was just looking over the list, like Core and all kinds of... But when you think of Wolf and Perez, you think of Starfire, you think of Raven, you think of Robin, you think of Cyborg, you think of Jericho. And Wonder Girl's a big part of it. Kid Flash, was he still around? No, not really. They added Impulse eventually. He was there in the beginning. He actually quit... There's a great cover that I always coveted as a kid, and I think I finally got it as an adult. It was um, Wally and Dick walking away in their costumes, strewn about in the um, foreground. So he quit in the same time that, that Dick quit becoming uh, Robin. It was a big, major, traumatic event uh, in the time for me. For you. <laughs> Those are the ones you really miss. You, you know, Blue Beetle's a new addition for this version. But other than that, it's a similar-looking lineup. And so then the story is that they're fighting Hive, who's being led by Brother Blood, who I feel like the journalists in the D.C. are really doing a bad job because someone who says their name is Brother Blood and they run a cult is someone to look into more frequently. But uh, they're fighting... Well, he asked him. He, he flat out, you know, was asking him about his suspicious behaviors, and that's why he got straight up murdered. <laughs> um, and so then but in the background, they're being stalked by Deathstroke the Terminator, who only a few of us still call Deathstroke the Terminator. I don't, think, I don't think they're even allowed to call him the Terminator anymore. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that was a... Uh, well, the thing was, as a kid, he was called the Terminator. But then the, I think there was legal issues with the movies, and they they started calling him more by Deathstroke. But doesn't the character predate? Or is it right around the same time? It just depends on who has the copyright, honestly. Yeah, um, I guess. Yeah. Slade. So they're being stalked by Deathstroke, who we find out has a mole in the team in the form of Terra, and that becomes a, an issue. So one of the things that was really shocking at the time and still is today is that one of the reveals in the, in the comic story was that not only was Tara a mole but she was involved with Deathstroke and she was you know a young teenager and he was an old white-haired man and that that was always uncomfortable mm-hmm. still is in this movie well here they, they sort of play it like she wants a relationship yes he's holding her off but it's still they really did ride that line. And it's supposed to be uncomfortable. It's not supposed to be like we're celebrating this relationship. But they did sort of play it like he's manipulating her to get what he wants, but he's not interested in her in any way. And there's the, the reveal on that in the movie. It's like if people don't know that that's kind of like comes out of nowhere, like they don't really telegraph it. I mean, at least the, the sexual relationship. Right. I mean, you know, she comes out in like negligee and, you know, heavy makeup and is... Uh, 
being very aggressive to start a physical relationship and he's saying, no, we got to concentrate. We got to deal with this, you know, this contract we've got first. And it's, man, it's, uh, it's, uh, I think appropriately unsettling and, and creepy to watch. And the arc that they were able to give her, I mean, she was introduced in the last one at the very end, right? But, this was something in the comics that built out over like a year. If, if yeah, I... it would have been, it would have, been, it would have felt more powerful if they had done a, another Teen Titans movie where she was a, just a regular team member the whole time. Yeah, exactly. But but I mean, for I mean, given the space that they had, and this was one of the longer ones, I think eighty-four minutes. It was almost ninety minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, even still, I think the the emotional payoff is still pretty well done for yeah. what they tried to do they bit off a lot in the, in this one um i mean uh, blue beetles got you know his whole story got gar who's attracted to to tara and to the point of being like a serial harasser yeah <laughs> leave yeah. her the hell alone gar come mm-hmm. on yeah, but that's that's like schoolyard stuff though he's not an adult these aren't adults in an office these are these are kids who are trying try to figure it out yeah he's he's i mean he's not like you know, disguising himself as a fly and he's like buzzing around her face, but he's not like disguising himself as a fly and like, you know, watching her at night or something like it's not like straight up stalking. It's just it's like pulling her pigtails. Yeah, it's so it's I mean, it's he and he's corrected on it, you know, and it's immaturity. It's not, you know, yeah. it's not a bad guy. What's interesting about this movie is that it, it's it's sort of plot light in that. Yeah, they're they're trying to break down Hive, but it's not really a preoccupation. It doesn't really happen until the end. And yeah, they're being stalked by a Deathstroke, but mostly it's about the personal relationships. It's about Dick and Corey moving in together. It's about Gar trying to figure out his feelings for Tara and her trying to figure out her feelings for everybody. It's about Jaime trying to figure out where he fits in a world where his scarab is very hostile toward everybody around him and also having a crush on the girl at the, at the soup kitchen he'd volunteer. Like it's a, it's a more about all their relationships than it is really about taking down a supervillain. And that, it's I think about it Nightwing. It's about Dick and Corey having to combine their weapons collections. We've all been there. Right, exactly. <laughs> Move in with a significant other. For me, that might be why I really enjoyed it because it felt very much like a, more like a drama than an action movie. So I actually think Jaime's subplot was my favorite subplot of the movie. Interesting. It was good. I liked it. I mean, I liked that, you know, he was, I liked his struggle with his family, you know, not being able to go to his little sister's quinceanera and then, realizing that he could do good for the community by working in a soup kitchen in addition to fighting bad guys. Like, I like those kind of superhero stories. Yeah, Some of my favorite issues of Batman is just when Bruce Wayne is walking around Wayne Industries, like, helping out employees and stuff and, like, showing that, hey, being a billionaire is also useful (laughs) when you're not just punching people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and to see the the different reactions to him wanting to to do this, like Tara's just not into it, like this is lame. And but like how much of that is, you know, her baggage and stuff and just an excuse to get out of there because she's having this trauma of very grisly stuff happening to her. And we we haven't really I mean, we've alluded to the the sexual stuff, but this is a very mature film while also having those lighter moments a lot of there's a lot of language more so than normal in this in this one. Yeah, it's it's sort of, it's like um it's sort of at either end of the spectrum for DC animated stuff because it's not, I mean we've seen really intensely dark and violent stuff from them particularly with some of the Batman stuff but that's like it's just that this has that stuff plus like Beast Boy turning into, you know, a seal. Right. <laughs> there's a lot it, it's you know the whole spectrum. 
and that's kind of interesting. And you know, so I I thought it was really ambitious. I kind of you know I thought about Young Justice a lot, obviously you know from seeing Speedy and everything, and seeing these characters in general. So that got me thinking. Like uh, I kind of wish something like Judas Contract would really benefit from being you know an arc of a series yeah they did that in the original the, i keep saying original cartoon but they're the old teen titans cartoon i believe and again i've never seen it but what i've been told they did that an arc or something with on this story in, the, in that cartoon yes they did they did not teen titans go this is just the the one that was just called teen titans with the yeah did you see it Years ago, I didn't rewatch it in anticipation of this or anything. But yeah, I mean, it was very similar. Like they set up Tara as a, a new member of the team, but also hinted that her having a subterfuge relationship with Deathstroke. And Deathstroke was like the main villain of that series. So mm. it was part of a much longer arc. And Deathstroke definitely most, at least as far as I remember in that show, Deathstroke had a real mat on for Robin and really wanted to bring down Robin as leader right. of the team. Yeah. Um, but it was good. I mean, I, that show itself was, I thought, a really good adaptation and and molding of styles and teams in itself, um, too. So, Well, it's, I mean, this is the seminal story. When you think of Teen Titans, you think of Judas Contract. So mm-hmm. it's cool to see it being done in different ways and different formats. It's really ultimately about betrayal, right, Judas? So it doesn't, mm-hmm. you don't need the sex element of it. It's just an element that makes it creepier. It, all it is really is that a member of their team has been spying on them the whole time for Deathstroke. It's really the most important aspect of it. Do you feel like any particular thread in this was the weak link? Other than the Kevin Smith scene at the end? I mean, that didn't was like weird. that. And then, you know, it's... <laughs> I mean, I get that it's, like, part of Corey's legitimate characterization in the comics, but, like, I didn't need her to misinterpret every single statement as talking about her having sex with Dick. That was... I got a little old for me. There's only two instances of that. Yeah, it was. They were both awkward and weird enough that I was like, I don't need any more more of that. Thanks. I didn't find them particularly funny in either instance. I guess. Well, you are approved. Yep, that's me. So, guys, so I, I guess it's a loaded question because for me, it was I think the brother blood stuff. I feel yeah. like gets kind of short shrift. I didn't care about the hive. To the point where I was like, "Whoa, what happened when he when he makes this like final transformation and is is in this like crazy battle? When he's in more of like the like the classic brother blood you know thing, and it's not just a cult. And I feel like that's a really interesting character and interesting villain for like 2017, and could be very interesting if you actually play up the cult part of it. Right. And aside from seeing like a video feed of like his speech to his followers and them chanting and, you know, pumping their, their fists and stuff. Like we kind of only get it from, um, I'm blanking on the character's name. Mother mayhem. Mother mayhem. Yeah. Mother mayhem. That's why I made the mayhem joke in the beginning. Mayhem? I can't, I forgot. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. Mother mayhem. When she turns up again, I was like, Oh right. Her, she's in this movie. They were sort of, I don't want to say a device, but they really, I mean, I honestly can't even remember much that happened. It's really kind of like when the Wrecking Crew shows up in comics. Like, they're just there to be bodies, to, yeah, to you know, be a threat. But I felt that, like, the portrayal was very interesting. And I think if they, you know, could have expanded on that more like, and not be vying with this much more, like, whoa, what's going on here stuff with, uh, with Deathstroke and Terra, um, I think there was potential there. But... Yeah. Connor, how closely did this follow the comic? Well, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, it's the main thing in the comic is that it's terrors revealed to be a traitor and she's been spying on them for Deathstroke and she's been, she's Deathstroke's quote unquote lover and, and they have to defeat him. And 
I'm pretty sure Hive was in it too. It's been a, little, it's been a couple years since I read it. The broad strokes are there. You know, Hive was definitely a, a major Hive was a major presence throughout the New entire run of New Teen Titans. Yeah. yeah. It, the broad strokes are pretty close. I still would like to know how closely it would have hewn to the comics if they had done it originally. Like, cause back then they were trying to be pretty close. I wonder if you would have seen uh, Pixie Booted Robin. I wonder if you would have had uh, Cyborg and Jericho. I did kind of miss Cyborg, but I know they have to like make him a, a Justice League guy now. Yeah, for some reason I thought he was going to show up. Yeah, it's it's weird seeing DC animation not pushing Cyborg. Like DC has been very about putting Cyborg into things, right? Uh, even when he's not an original character from a source. Because he was in um, you know the Justice League Teen Titans movie, obviously because he's a member of the Justice League. But he didn't he switch right. sides to the Teen Titans. That's an interesting dynamic. I misremembered the trailer, maybe, but I, for some reason I thought he was going to show up later, and I kept waiting for him to show up. He never did. It'd be cool to see classic Cyborg too, like in the white like ridiculous right. cyborg costume with the white trunks well because that's when he's actually a cyborg as opposed to now where he's basically a robot with human face yeah did, now, did you watch all the through the post-credit scene yes oh, i didn't I see did. I, didn't, I didn't see the post-credits okay. but what happens so we see in the middle of the movie hive is showing off their life-sucking technology right where they, they put these people into a machine and it channels their energy into this other dude and becomes really strong and right. indestructible unless he gets shot in the head apparently the guy looked exactly like Jericho. He had the okay. Blonde. That was my question. Not not being like an old school Teen Titans reader, I still recognize that character. Yeah. And you know, he had the he has the blonde curly, tight curly hair, kind of like the Justin Timberlake style. Yeah. And uh, he looks exactly <laughs> like him. And then and then he, he's sort of thrown away in the movie. He's shot in the head. And then and then you're seeing me going. I thought, well, is that just a bizarre sort of reference to Jericho? That did legitimately surprise me because I recognize the character even not having uh, read this original comic story. Right. And Jericho is, is Deathstroke's son. That's also what made the story more powerful is because his son is on the Titans too. So that was actually, if you talk about how close, that was actually a really big missing element to the story. Mm-hmm. The post-credit scenes is that dude opens his eyes and his head heals. I don't know what that means. I don't know <laughs> what he's doing with that. I don't know if it's still meant to be Jericho. I don't know. Didn't really make any sense. I don't know if they're planning. That means they're planning on doing another Teen Titans movie because they, you know, they ended the last one with the, with the Terra appearance and they did another. I don't know. But it was was it was a weird, a weird way to go. That was maybe when you asked earlier. The only things that kind of was weird that to me that was the weirdest part was was this weird Jericho, not Jericho. I don't. I don't think these movies need post credit sequences. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm just being grumpy, but I think <laughs> I feel like we're on the tail end of that trend. Just yeah. Like well, I mean, I, I I finally got to see uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and they had like five of those, and there was there was a sixth planned one, <laughs> and so there's, yeah, we kind well, of yeah, the that just felt that. like trolling. Yeah, <laughs> felt like James Gunn was just laughing. I enjoyed those though because they were placed well, like you didn't have to sit through a bunch of credits that were just credits. Like it actually they spaced them out so that you you know got a nice treat for waiting the whole time. But anyways, that's another topic. Overall thoughts. I, I really liked it. I liked the last one, the uh, Justice League Dark one. I liked the Batman 66 one. So this is three in a row now where I've really enjoyed them. I wanted to bring up, we haven't talked a lot about the performances. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Oh, Miguel Ferrer. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's where I was going with this. In his, one of his two final roles, it's a toss-up between this and Albert Rosenfeld uh, in Twin Peaks. But yeah, really, really sad. He died of throat cancer, and you could hear it a little bit in his voice. He's a terrific voice actor, and he's a terrific Deathstroke. It's a great performance. It's not like you, uh, Ryan. You mentioned Deathstroke in the in the series before, and being more of like an arch villain kind of thing with a right. vendetta against Robin. This felt like a person. Like I mean, like yeah. not a great person, but like yeah. it it didn't just feel like a like a, a Disney villain, which is more what the guy playing Brother Blood did, and that's uh, Star Lord's grandfather and Logan's dad from Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Playing that role, and I thought Greg he did well. Henry, he, he, did that, 
but that was um, that like that's the choice. But I think um, it was really cool. Like it made Deathstroke feel more dangerous because this felt like a like a person who's not necessarily just a mustache twirling. He's terrific. Villain. Miguel Ferrer yeah, is always, really always terrific, but he's a terrific voice actor. And it doesn't always translate when screen actors come on. We've talked about this before, but, you know, uh, yeah. the guy who played Jim Gordon and uh, whatever. Let's not get into it. But the point is, not Jim Gordon, a Batman in year one. Anyway, I'm not slacking off Brian the, Cranston. The guy from Gotham. Yeah. He's great. And I was really sad because I was like, man, he's so, he's so good. He's such a good mm-hmm. actor. What I thought was interesting when he takes his mask off. <laughs> Double mask? I felt like that character model, the design of the face and the goatee, looked like uh, an actor named Brian James, mm-hmm. who is the first replicant in Blade Runner. Yes, 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 yes. And Leon, I think, and then um, the general in um, Fifth Element, and he has that same goatee. Because we've got like a weak chin and yeah. a, and, a, and a long bridge of his nose. And I was like, that looks just like that dude. And I think. I think he died, but I, I yeah, think that did. actor passed away yeah, in like 99. Yeah. And so I was like, because I, I, I wasn't sure if he was alive or dead at that point. I was like, I wonder if they designed it around him and was going to have him play it. But In general, the the character models they use for these in-continuity stories, the ones that are always all connected, they all have long noses and it kind, it kind of is distracting. Uh-huh. And I mean, they're, they're not pointy. They're, 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 they go not down. The bridge of his nose. They go down not lower the, on the face than a regular yep. nose goes. And right. I kind of get distracted by it. It just it felt so specific to me to like that. I was like, that totally looks like that dude. Like that's it's it was like an uncanny valley kind of thing. And but I really like the performance. I like the design of Deathstroke. Yes. Um, the, the the little feet were funny. Although I kept laughing when he took his mask off and he'd have another mask on underneath it. Right. Every time he did yeah. it, I would laugh. I also wanted to mention the the fight sequence. Deathstroke and and Dick Grayson just in street clothes. Yeah, I thought was really good. It's it's a silly thing, but um, when he get when Dick gets tossed out the window, and he catches the ledge, mm-hmm. and his uh, shoulder goes out. Yeah, like we've seen so many action cartoons all our lives where a character falls off something or like grabs a cliff, and like they're fine. But yeah. like it was so it was just cool to see, especially with a character like Deathstroke, who's all about precision strikes and everything. And just like dismantling his opponents, I thought it was it was cool that attention to detail, and then Dick grabbing the board and turning around, catching the throwing knife, and all that stuff. This was really well directed. This is Sam Liu. He's done a bunch of these, yeah. and uh, I was really impressed with the action. I was really impressed with some of the sh- some of the staging of the shots. But it was also, you know, you're talking about the continuity of it all, Paul. Like he also puts his shoulder back in once he is free from the scenario. Right when he we when see he... we see him knock his shoulder back. Martin Rick style. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It was very much it was very much a lethal weapon esque. Also, I did laugh because really so like in that in that fight scene they fight and then at the end of it Deathstroke just shoots him in the chest and he falls in the water. And he, he comes back out of the water and <laughs> opens his shirt and pulls a giant block of wood out of his shirt. And I was like yeah, Wait a second. He had a giant piece of wood in his shirt the whole time. How did Deathstroke cool. A not see that? How did it stay in place? Like well, you, you saw yeah, when he used it, funny. right? Like he picked it up in know, the marketplace. Like, it was a giant okay. it was a giant piece of wood. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just making sure you knew that they like they at least like oh, check off his gun. Like, it was they great, put but it was, like, it was mantle, just but. you know it was just so thick. That just, it it just, is. Just ridiculous. would have seen this giant protruding thing in his chest. I don't know if that would save you from a bullet. And maybe depend. I don't know. It depends on the caliber. I don't know, but I don't know about bullets. Theodore Roosevelt's Bible saved him, but I thought this was terrific. I thought the voice talent was great. I thought this was super fun. It's great drama character wise. The action was. I, I really thought this was terrific. This is one of the better ones we've seen in a while. For me, Christina anyway. Ricci, real good as Tara. Yep. I don't know if is dead or not. I think she did. I think she died. Like she gets unburied, 
and then opens her eyes and then dies. It's kind of like Duke at the end of the G.I. Joe movie, where they can go either way. Okay. Yeah. That's what I felt like. I feel like, like she's dead. She served her purpose as a character. They, they replace her with Wonder Girl at the end. Right. I thought that was rude of Kevin Smith to be like, so is is uh, is Wonder Girl, is she replacing Tara? And I was like, that's not cool. You didn't say that. Like you're She's just the new person on the team. Not a replacement. It was good. I would love to see another one of these with this with this team and, and with Wonder Girl. That'd be interesting. I, th- I think this is a super fun group. More Kevin Smith podcasts. No, no more of those. <laughs> I've been mostly effusive this podcast. I actually thought this was very boring. Wow. <laughs> I've through most of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be positive and say nice things because there were definitely aspects of it I liked, but I yeah I had a hard time staying focused. While, this while is fair. Remember when Ryan used to have terrible opinions? All there the time? was one that me, me and you like a thing, and then Ryan or like we didn't like one, and then Ryan really liked Suicide it. Squad. The Arkham one. It was yeah. the Arkham one. It was Arkham. Okay, yeah. Yeah, That's that just shows your, your opinion is, is, is suspect. <laughs> uh, people, I mean, people should get a full range of opinions when they listen to the animated brain trust. We wouldn't be a good brain trust if that we just true. agreed on everything. I know that. Everyone just knows you're the one with the dumb opinions. That's all. I'm, I'm not. I'm not the. Uh, I'm not the one who's angry all the time. But just sometimes, and it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I just wasn't that engaged by it. And yeah. Well, maybe you'll like the next one, which I watched the featurette on, which is Batman and Harley Quinn, which comes out soon. It comes out summer 2017. And I also like to apologize for how late the show was. This is my fault. I've been traveling like for the last six weeks, and I haven't been able to even watch the movie until today, let alone talk about it. So the next one's coming up soon. <laughs> Batman and Harley Quinn. And it looks awesome. It's a full-on Bruce Timm movie. He plotted it. He storyboarded it. He was fully involved in the whole process. So not Paul Dini, but... No, he wasn't Tim. Paul Dini, but he. what happened was, according to the PR and the feature ad, is that Mike Carlin told Bruce Timm the next one they were going to do was going to be a Harley Quinn movie because she had so much heat on her from Suicide Squad movie. And he said, oh, then I want to do it. Right. And he did everything. Handed the storyboards and the plot to a writer and you know oversaw the entire project. They showed him in the booth with the voice actor. So he's it's a full-on Tim movie. It's... Tim style art. It's the voice actors, except for Harley Quinn from except the original. For Harley. From the original series. I don't even know the last time Lauren Lester did Dick Grayson, but here he is back as Dick Grayson. It's like a forty-eight hours type road movie with Batman and Nightwing needing Harley Quinn's help to stop Poison Ivy and the Floronic Man from destroying the world. The, the clips they showed and the talent behind it—it it just looks terrific. I'm so excited for it. And it's the uh, it's the uh, one of the actresses from uh, Big Bang Theory, and I did see Rouch, some of the promotional yeah. stuff, and I think she's I think she's good. She's fine. The little bit of voice, you know, it's fine. She's doing the the Brooklynese, you know, it's fine. I, it's not bad, but the Batmobile is the animated series designed Batmobile, like it's full on. He said it's it's not necessarily in the world, but it's pretty much in the world of that universe. Right. I think people would be excited for it. Now, the other, the real interesting thing is they haven't announced officially the next one yet, but they usually they usually are too ahead on these. That's true. The rumor is that it's Watchmen. That's the rumor. Yeah, I don't want that. I don't need that. <laughs> so we'll see. It would make sense. I mean, they're very much into Watchmen these days. Still DC's biggest money-making property of all their properties. It makes them the most money every year. So it makes sense that they would do an animated version of it. My fingers are crossed that the next one that we're going to hear about is like Rebirth, and then we can get away from these two versions. But we'll see. Just like Rebirth, Rebirth, or? Doing an, a version of what's ca- currently happening in DC with a DC Rebirth. And also would make like, sense. Like a Justice League story or like an individual character? Well, like, you know, the, wor- the, the, the same way they did Flashpoint, you know? Like the world is fucked up and the Flashes are at the center of it. And it would make, actually it would make sense to do Watchmen and then do Rebirth because of the, of the Watchmen characters. Anyway. And then do the button. 
Right, which is a <laughs> terrific crossover. I'd I mean, be happy with that. I'm actually enjoying the button. That's the, been the most surprising comic of the year for me, is that I'm reading and liking it. Yeah, it's great. So we'll see if that's actually happening or not after Batman and Harley Quinn. But we'll be back for Batman and Harley Quinn whenever, yeah. quote-unquote, summer 2017 is. They haven't announced the release date as of this recording. But you can go to iFanboy.com and you can talk about Teen Titans, the Judas Contract there, or what your thoughts on that were, or what your thoughts are looking forward in the line. I'm very excited about Batman and Harley Quinn. We'll be back for that one. And are, I you think team, they should do... are you Team Ryan or Team Connor? Was this great or was this kind of boring? <laughs> I give it I give it a B minus. Interesting. That's, uh, that's where I'm at. I'm going B plus. For my, for C, my I'll probably go C plus. Pretty close. For my uh, for my wish list, I think they should do something with Wonder Woman. You think they would? They're usually on these media tie-ins. They re-released the original one, and that was a big ad in the beginning of this DVD. Was for the re-release of the original cartoon, which is terrific. One of the still one of the best. Ones that was done. really good. That's one of my yeah, favorites. Yeah, we, we all enjoyed that one. I, re- I recently rewatched it actually, and it's, it still holds up really well. The last sequence of that with uh, Cheetah in it yeah. is one of the most beautifully animated things they've ever done. Yeah. It's so good. So if you've never seen it, go watch that one. That's that's absolutely. Really but they should do like the, they've got Rucka's Year One sort of Wonder Woman story. They should do that. But that's what that one was. It was a year one story. It was they should do origin. that other version. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> or like, do uh, if they're doing rebirths, do like uh, do the Green Arrow because uh, that was a good rebirth title. That was that was a big uh, surprise. I'm just saying they should use this opportunity to stay with the comics and restart these movies or whatever. Do something with. Them. Before we go, guys, do you want to plug anything? Yeah, I do a podcast called Science Sort of where we drink beer and talk about science. Uh, we just had a really good episode come out about Tasmanian devil face cancer. If you guys are familiar, oh with yeah. That. Uh, so there's been some really cool research that's been done recently talking about their evolution of their immunity and uh, changes in reproductive behavior based on the face cancer, which is really cool. We had a cancer expert on to talk about that. And um, I was also recently on a podcast called Out There, which is a podcast about the outdoors, where I talk about my reluctance to go do outdoorsy things, but how I force myself to go do it anyway. So I climb a mountain and podcast about You're it. You're always outside. I know, but I, that, this is this is the uh, the behind the scenes of what's going on in my head when oh, I'm wow, when I'm out doing. So you're just so you're just miserable all the time. <laughs> no, it's just I have a high activation energy and suffer from outdoor imposter syndrome. So if you want to hear me, a uh, little syndrome. kind of kind of a little yeah. essay about that. The podcast is called Out There. It's hosted by my friend Willow Belden, and you can find it on iTunes. I am interested in both of those. Uh, so uh, I'm starting up some fuzzy typewriter podcasting again. Um, there is one on the feed. If you go look for it on iTunes, our buddy Brett White and I talked about the podcast S-Town, which uh, just kind of rocked my world. I thought it was just, uh, just an amazing project from the makers of Serial and This American Life. So if you like podcasts, check out that and then our podcast about it. Um, <laughs> and, and then actually tomorrow, I think I'll be recording a podcast with Dave about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which I finally got to see. So check out those shows. We'll be back next time. In the meantime, you can listen to the iFanboy Pick the Week podcast every week. We talk about the week's comics. And until whenever summer 2017 is, the Anime will be back. I'm Connor. I'm Paul. And I'm Ryan. Go outside, Ryan. It's snowing real hard right now. <laughs> I've been outside a couple of times today and it wasn't great. Breaking the law, breaking the law.